Hello and welcome to the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of Big Ten Network. Today's guest is former Northwestern basketball player Nate Taphorn. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh my goodness, what a catch! Oh Energy, my goodness. enthusiasm. Oh, it's All right, before we get to the interview with Nate Taphorn, a quick word from our sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. You can build a solid foundation in the strategic, creative, and analytic skills that are essential for success in the business of sports in the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu sports. Definitely check that out if you're looking to work at a place like Big Ten Network, looking to work in the sports industry, and going to plug that before we get to a Northwestern guy himself, Nate Taphorn, guy who definitely, as he gets into, benefited from going to Northwestern, working those connections, and um, getting into the real world post-basketball, and, and he'll get into that and definitely talk a lot more about his career and his uh, side hustle as a broadcaster. Um, good to get on with Nate Taphorn because uh, definitely seen him around the city and interacted with Briefly, but uh, finally got a discussion on the books that was uh, probably overdue, so that's my bad. Nate. Then after Nate, we do have uh, Harold Shelton, as always. Second time in a week with H. And he's on, if you're not familiar, most weeks during Big Ten football and basketball season, pretty much all of them talk what's going on in the Big Two revenue sports and in the Big Ten. And uh, he's an expert. He's in the, the weeds every day with the numbers, the stats, the trends. He talks about him uh, very masterfully on the podcast, and so we get to him after Nate. First up, though, like I said, it's Nate Taphorn, member of the 2017, quote, first dance Northwestern Wildcats basketball team, first team to make the NCAA tournament in Wildcats history. Big contributor on that squad, and we'll get right to him. The Take 10 podcast discussion with Nate Taphorn. I'm very pleased to be joined by a former Northwestern basketball player from 2013 to 17. It's Nate Taphorn. Nate, how's it going, man? Good morning. Thanks for jumping on. Man, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so fill me in. Like, I, I see you running around Chicago, cross paths often enough. What have you been up to, you know, in the five years? It's crazy to say that, but the five or so years now since leaving the Cats. It's uh, It seems shorter than it is, I'd say. Um I've been I've been popping around quite a bit. Um, right after right after Northwestern, I played overseas in Croatia for about a month and a half, and it was something I didn't enjoy doing. It's off. It's really really hard to do. So I wanted to be at home and uh, maybe maybe play in the states. So I came back here. Just I had some some training going on in the summer, and then um, using I used my Northwestern connections. And, got a private equity gig in, in the city. I was working as an intern for a, a company called Vistria um, and used one of my private equity connections or Northwestern connections there. And then after that, I got into, phys I sold physical therapy for about six months. And then after that, I, I ran a gym in the city for about six months. So it, it was a lot of fun. And then now, I mean, now is the, the biggest gig I've, I've had and 
I, I, I love the industry, love kind of the socialization around it. And I'm selling insurance in Chicago for a company called Hub International. Yeah. And I want to get into maybe your side gig in a minute, because I know you're on the airwaves yeah. on, uh, for the cats, yeah. but uh, I want to ask about Croatia because I didn't know you were over there. Everyone loves Croatia as like a vacation spot. You said you didn't enjoy it. Was it at least nice like views and beaches yeah. wise or were you kind of tucked away? No, it was, it's beautiful. I was in um, Zadar was a city we were based in. So it's, it's a beautiful spot. I mean, everybody talks about going to Yacht Week and stuff like that. It's, it, everybody's very good looking. Everybody, you know, everybody's pretty active and uh, pretty skinny and everything like that. So it's, it's quite interesting, but a uh, completely different place over there than other than Chicago right now in the middle of winter. So, uh, but no, I, I didn't like it because it was a, it was a, very big change for me and on top of that I wasn't it wasn't basketball for me it, it was I not a lot of guys on, on the team spoke English probably one or two so I had a translator every time our coach spoke which was you know you don't really understand what he's saying so uh, there was that there was the the promises that never get made on your contract there was where's my money type of thing and I was like, this is not the hoops I know. It's, it's a hard. And so kudos to all those guys that stick through it. I, I was like, you know what? I, I think I want to do different, something else. So. Yeah. So left, left yacht week for the, uh, the playpen here in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So take me through how you got this opportunity calling games on WGN. Um, yeah. Was it something that kind of came naturally? Is it easy for you to talk ball or, or is it an adjustment getting into media? Yeah. So I've been doing it for two, three or four years. So I've been out since 2017. I think I got into it in 2018, 2019. Um, I think 2019. And it was kind of on a whim. I think Dave Ennett, who is a Hall of Famer on the radio for WGM, he does everything under the sun, it seems like. And he, he can, he's so easy to work with. But he had asked me uh, on a game that Joey Meyer had to step out for um, Joey was, I mean, still doing some stuff with the Clippers, traveling with his family and kind of spending some time there. And they'd asked me to, to jump in on one of the games. And, uh, one of my, my first game I ever did on the air actually was not with Dave, but, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was with Andy, uh, my goodness, I can't remember his name. Anyway. So first game on the air was not with Dave, but I, I kind of got into the gig and, I realized the first game I was doing a whole bunch of prep, but I never used any of the prep. It was, I mean, on the air, you had, it's such a different, separate, different, you know, time space where you can talk. So if you're doing a play-by-play for on the TV or if you're doing a color on the, on the TV, you kind of have, you're having a conversation throughout the whole game. People know what you're talking about and they can still see the game and that, that's kind of how it goes. But on the, on the radio, they can't see anything. So you're looking for, any way to describe the game from essentially when Dave isn't talking to when I am. So when you have essentially when the ball goes through the net for one team, they take it out and then they cross half court. That's from when they take it out to when they cross half court, that's about the time I have to talk. And if they kick it out of bounds or they're shooting free throw or anything like that, that's, that's kind of bonus time. But um, Dave does a really good job to lay it up for me and, kind of ask me questions and keep the conversation rolling too. So uh, I love it. Yeah. If you're from Chicago, you know, you know, Dave's name, 
for sure. And, and it is something that hits me like when I'm in the car, listening to any sporting event on the radio, just how different it is and, and how much of a different approach you have to take, you know, and, and even listening to it to get used to something as opposed to TV. Um, looking back at your playing days a little bit and in the time since 2017, I feel like I see, you know, at times you and Scotty, Vic, Sanjay, it seems like that group is pretty tight. I, I've seen, you know, those guys together, seen you with them before. Um, you still keep pretty close with that crew uh, and, and that class you came up with. And how often are you guys, you know, just hanging out and reminiscing these days? Yeah, I, I'd say the person I'm close with and have been close with is Sanjay. I mean, one of my best friends for four years in college is we lived together for three of them. And, and then we stayed close ever since. I mean, uh, he's out in Utah kind of living it up. He's on the jazz staff. Um, I keep close with Vic, fixed down in Australia, uh, pooping it up. So we get about three hours a day that we have a, a, where our time kind of overlaps us. Um, we'll, we'll catch, I'll catch him in the morning over there and then he'll catch me at night here. So um, we're all in group chats together, but we, I, I hang out with Gavin a little bit. Um, Gavin Skelly, he, he's in Chicago. Um, an, an older guy that I hang out with as Alex Marco Tulio, even though he wasn't on that team, he's a big, been a big support. Um, so there's still some guys in Chicago. I don't see Scotty as much, um, even though he's in Chicago, he's still on the burbs and that's like living in a different city. So, um, he, he, he's absolutely killing it right now. And I love seeing everybody from Derek Barrett, Vic, Sanjay, Scotty, Aaron Felzone, uh, Isaiah Brown, even Rappelis is overseas. All those guys are doing really, really well overseas. I, I love following them. Yeah. Scotty was actually one of the first guests on this show. Like when, I think it was, really? like, yeah, in the single digits episodes years ago, he was an intern <laughs> at BTN. So just pulled oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I knew him first before any of you guys, I think. Um, also, uh, going through your bio and everything, I'd forgotten you're from Pekin. Uh, yeah. I'm a Central Illinois guy too. I remember playing Pekin in a summer. Where are you from? From Champagne. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I remember playing you guys. I think down in Jacksonville. You were probably on the on the team. Uh, not not for sure. I can't remember faces or anything. <laughs> but I just remember those dudes setting a lot of screens and there a lot of motion. And I'm like, this is summer league, and we have no plays, and you guys are working us out. Uh, so just taking that one instance i'm just projecting this on your whole high school career but was it a very structured setting that maybe prepped you for college or am i just projecting too much off my personal experience my dad uh, i'll give a lot of credit to my pops here it was a pretty simple offense and something you might remember is a uh, blocker mover so blocker mover came from dick bennett and dick bennett that's what my dad played for in college so he played at green bay he played for one one year with tony bennett and my dad's job when Tony got on the floor was just, just pop guys with screens. And so we kind of adopted that a little bit here and there in the summer. And it was just like, just get open. Just you, you have two guys that screen, two guys that can pop, and then you have two guys that can just cut off the ball and one guy handle the ball. So it was, uh, we used the summer to have fun. Uh, we had a lot of football guys. So if there was anything that they wanted to get their anger out on that wasn't on the football field, it was on the basketball floor. So we had a good team though. My, my, sophomore and junior senior year it was fun to play yeah for some reason I remember that day I think playing you guys the same day that Landon Donovan scored the goal against Algeria in the World Cup I don't know why I remember <laughs> that but uh and I don't even know if you were there that day because I think you might be a year behind me but uh, I, I wasn't a big soccer fan at that point so I I can't say I was I was following all that well yeah I wasn't either at the time I just remember I think people were like on the phone 
and uh, reacting between games. But anyway, that's just memories flooding back to me. Uh, not linger too much on high school. Nate, take me through college, you know, building to the NCAA tournament season, obviously for a senior like yourself, that's like a long climb, right? So like maybe what were some of the unsung moments that in any of the years leading up to it, you reflect on that maybe don't get highlighted when, you know, you watch the BTN documentary or do these type of interviews. Yeah. I mean, trying to think through the years, freshman year, I don't think there's anything unsung. I I would say I give a lot of credit to those guys that we kind of have a scrambled team. So we had coach, coach Collins come in. I was, I came in with him and then Drew was kind of the first recruit that coach Collins ever got because he was thinking about leaving. And I give a, whole bunch of credit to this team we didn't really have all the puzzle pieces together but we used everything we had and we went into Indiana and Wisconsin that year who was a who was a final 14 and beat them both on their home floors and we were not expected to do that and so you had guys like Trey Dems, Drew, Drew Crawford, uh, Alex Ola, <laughs> Joshan Cobb and Sajay and then you have guys like me, Kale Abrahamson, uh, Dave Sobolewski, um, we, we could, I could go down the line of guys that people don't really recognize anymore. So, um, that was a lot of fun. I think that really got my career started off, but between my freshman and sophomore year, one of the things that a lot of people didn't know, you could see it, but they didn't really know is Sanjay and I went through a massive change. We, we both gained, I think 30 to 40 pounds within a month and a half. It was, it was disgusting and just a kind of a massive change for both of us. And we look back at it, we're like, holy cow, I'm so happy we did that. But during that time, you're eating like everything you could, like I'd be eating right now. I could, it was eating and drinking protein shakes and lifting weights for, and then you had to do basketball workouts on all on top of that for what, a month and a half straight or two months. And credit to our strength staff and our nutritionists and everything like that. That was, that was painful, but it was, it was worth it. Um, so I, I think that change was huge. Um, sophomore year, I wouldn't say anything too crazy, um, happened junior year. I, th- I really thought we had a really good chance. I mean, junior year, you talk about the, the Michigan game or trade trade down. who's not working for the big 10 takes us to, you know, four overtimes or whatever it is. Um, so the, those games were all a lot of fun, but I think we got to my senior year and I was like, I, I think everybody put their foot down and was like, this is the team. Like we're not, this is, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're tired of being stepped on. Like it's, this is our year to kind of put our force down and to really take on challenges of what we came for, came here for. So you, you look at the recruiting staff or recruiting all around Northwestern and you kind of have, this mojo around why do I want to go there? And not only is it a big 10 school, not only is it one of the greatest in the world, not is it, not only is it, you know, you're playing everybody from under the sun when it comes down to talent wise, but you're also in, in Chicago and a tough city where ever it's a melting pot for, for kids that go to the other, other schools. So you're, you're playing on what feels like hostile turf, at, even at home. Uh, I mean, growing or kind of playing the games my freshman and sophomore year you have up in the rafters you have wisconsin indiana Illinois fans like chain and i all all that bull crap so it that was quite interesting but i mean you 
<clears throat> that was one reason why we all, one of the one way, main reasons why we all came here. I mean, you, you, you can ask that whole team. It was like, we just want, we want to make history. Yeah, eventually did. And I remember kind of that build. It was my first year at the network and that was the story that year. And I thought, I think everyone thought that win at Wisconsin kind of locked it in. And, you know, I remember Collins with a fist pump that game. Uh, there was a dunk to seal it. Did you guys think you had it in the bag then? We got, yeah, we got booed out of the arena for yeah. probably a good reason. I'd probably do the same if somebody else did that to us. But, um, no, I, I think even I, – I think there was – I'll put it this way. I, I think there was a certain points in the season where we were like, all right, we're good. And then we'd lose a game like, oh, like we got to – we got to pick it up. Um, but <clears throat> I, I think we did a really good job that year of focusing on the next game, whatever it was, and winning the day. And whether it was in practice or the weight room or, you know, getting guys healthy, it didn't matter what it was. Like, it was just like, hey, we got to we got to win this day. So uh, I give a lot of credit to those guys. And everybody, I think there was a, common understanding we didn't really give the crap who who scored on the floor either we had our main guys that would score but if if isaiah brown went off for 24 we were all ecstatic if Derek went off for 30 like he did in nebraska we were ecstatic you know if sanjay had 15 and 15 like we we celebrated everybody we didn't care i didn't know if vic had zero or brian had zero everybody's gonna be talking about it but or not we just, we just cared about who was winning. So yeah, that, team, that team was so balanced. I remember, like you pointed out, yeah. a lot of dudes, uh, you know, who'd make plays. And I mentioned the Wisconsin game, you know, thought it was, I thought it was in the bag then, but then it gets to the Michigan game yeah. and it's like, well, maybe not. You know, this is kind of a, an important win or must win. Um, comes down to the final play. You're the inbounds passer. Did you know when that ball left your hand that Derek had a good chance to make? something happened or was it just kind of a, a prayer <laughs> i haven't talked about this in a while but i looking back i try to remember i i mean that's one of my vivid memories i up until the point where i threw it i i kind of i'm like i don't really know um it felt really good we we practiced it maybe once or twice in preseason or something like that but i haven't thrown a ball that that far unless i'm just yeah, I it I I th- I thought it was good. I mean, I'm not throwing a ball to throw it bat. So I, I thought it was really good. I had a target and luckily I mean I'm sitting here, so I hit it. So <laughs> but um I back to the Wisconsin question, I think that that the Michigan game certainly sealed it. But we were kind of looking at our shops for the next game at Purdue and then going to DC and playing guys like Maryland and DC. Um, so I think we saw every game as a, as a as an added bonus after the Michigan game. It was like, we can, we don't need to be a, you know, a seven or eight seed. We can try to be a six or a five. So. Yeah. You guys spoiled the party in DC. I remember, I think it was a Friday night, Maryland fans <laughs> packed that place and went out sad. I, uh, yeah, I have a few stories from my parents. My parents went to about every game besides four, four or five and, they, they have a few few stories about Maryland fans that that game. So, uh, did, how soon did the Grant Hill comps start rolling in after that pass? I mean, um, 
not really all that often. I mean, you. So he actually did the next game. Oh, I didn't know that. So he, yeah. So I'm at one of the coolest moments at Northwestern uh, that didn't involve a basketball game. Was I guess it kind of did, but not really. But one of the coolest things was, so I had <clears throat> we had walkthrough, and the game was in. They put the game on CBS. It was a a Big Ten, essentially a Big Ten title game for them. One where we could steal away, we could take away their share of the Big Ten title. And and essentially the last game at Northwestern at the old Welsh Ryan. So you have probably, I mean, you have the fire marshals probably screaming at everybody, yelling because this place is absolutely packed. But first, I walked in the walkthrough that day, and there's cameras all around, and you know people are doing media. And then I walk over, and we're done doing shoot around, and this guy's sitting there, I'm like I know exactly who that is. So I walk over to him, and I go, "Hey, man, Nate Taphorn, I'm, I'm a huge golfer." He's like, "Oh, I know who exactly you are." I'm like he goes, "Jim Nance, nice to meet you." And I was like, "I'm, I'm a huge golfer, and I love." I grew up in Masters. I grew up watching Tiger, obviously. And I go, hey, I went to the Masters last year. Um, I have a buddy who plays on tour. He's like, oh, yeah, Matt. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we started talking about this. He goes, a tradition unlike any other. And I was like, I just stood there. I, I was like an outer body experience. I had goosebumps running up and down my body. It was incredible. But going to the next night, or going to that night, it was the, number one, the, no, the most packed I've ever seen Walsh Ryan. We had senior night. We had, we did the t-shirts. We had the stepbrother t-shirts, me and Sanjay on them. And they were, everybody was wearing, it was awesome. So that, that atmosphere was absolutely, you know, bananas. I thought you were going to say Jim Nance gave you his tie. You know, the, the I, I mean, him and I still, t- he knows I'm a huge Chiefs fan now. And he gets to do one of, one or two Chiefs games. So I'll text him, say, hey, go Chiefs. And he'll shoot, maybe he'll shoot me something back. But last, last night he didn't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's rooting for the Chiefs last time, so it's all good. It's a nice, nice little brush with uh, you know CBS greatness there, and it <laughs> leads into my question. I, I had written down, you know, kind of lumping in the yeah. game and the tournament run. Obviously, Northwestern has plenty of celebrities, and you, you know, being a national story like that, other people kind of hitch their wagon to it. So that's a great example you had there. But any other celebrity interactions or memorable, you know, encounters, anything like that, where you look back and you're like that, you know, that was, that was wild. Yeah. I mean, um, well, when we went to Salt Lake, everybody and their mom showed up, which was awesome. You don't have that right now, which is, but you have all the Northwestern donors, you have all of our parents, you have everybody that we, all of our friends that we could try to get tickets for. So every game, you, every player's allotted X amount of tickets. And we were trying to figure out, all right, we want everybody's parents to come, but who is not using their tickets? Like, let us know now so we can split them up. And I just remember filling every seat that we could. And I mean, obviously, you have who I like to refer as. So you have Julie Louise Dreyfus, who I like to refer as Charlie's mom. And that's about it. So you have Brad Hall and Charlie and Julie Louise Dreyfus, who are probably the two funniest people on the planet in my mind, just spending some time with them and great people. But you have Charlie's mom and Charlie's dad, and that's it. And so they, they're quite fun to hang around. Uh, and 
probably some A-list celebrities that you want to hang around. But even after the season, you have – we went to the ESPYs for the play against Michigan. So you meet Steph Curry, Michael Phelps. Uh, Will Bond was there. I mean, we. I, I think because of that season, I'm, I'm pals with Will Bond and Greenberg and all those guys as well. So it's there's a there's a laundry list of celebrities and kind of uh, broadcasters and stuff that are people that are just Northwestern people that love love going back to that year. Yeah, I mean, even even me, I've ridden the coattails to meet Seth Meyers. Yeah, at the Indy at the championship game, I met Julia at one of your games. Um, so, you know, even, even I get to bask in it a little bit. Um, that, that, that year was, I'll say this, there was, that year was a different kind of vibe around the locker room too. We, we were playing in Brooklyn and we had, uh, we had just beat Texas and in walked Seth Myers. And we were like, what, where did he come from? Like we weren't having celebrities walk in our, our locker room ever. It was one of the coolest things. And then behind them, was his like good buddy who was doing all the Sonic commercials and he still does them. So we were like, how do you, yeah, he's like, I went to Northwestern too. No way. So it was, it was really cool. He needs to get some more Sonics in Chicago land. I feel like there's only one in the whole city and I love Sonic. <laughs> they, they, I think it'd be too crowded if there was. I know. All right, Nate, uh, almost done. I did have a couple more questions to close us out here Yeah. and you know, lo- love a good, uh, good headline grab or graphic. So want your opinion, you know, everyone, answer is pretty much the same for like the toughest environments in the big 10 I've found. Like everyone says Mackie. Mm-hmm. I want to know the, uh, the sneaky tough environments, like two or three sneaky mm-hmm. tough places where it's like, you know, you go in the crowds, either rowdy or for whatever reason, it's just tough to play in. Sneaky tough. I'm putting you on the spot. So I apologize. Uh, no, that's all right. I, <clears throat> can I say the old Northwest old Walsh Ryan? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to put ourselves on the pedestal here, but going in, I'm, I've got pictures up here, but I'm, I'm looking at the old Northwestern, old Walsh Ryan. And like I'm talking about, I live with Max BFL, who played in Michigan and Indiana. And I, I talk with guys all, I talk to Robbie Hummel every once in a while. And like people hated going in the old Walsh Ryan. It was, you know, it's an old arena. It's the rims were questionable sometimes. Everybody hated with the hated playing with the under armor ball. Like we had some massive advantages. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like people were scared to come play us. It was the fact that they just didn't like playing. It was tough to play us at home and we made it tough. But by my senior year, we we had made it ours. So we love playing there. I I I miss some of it, but um yeah, that I'd say that's probably one of the sneakier, tough place to play. I think so. You have the Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue has got to be up there for most people. If it's not um, Maryland, I feel like Maryland used to be. It's not anymore as much as much as it should be um, for as, as much of a basketball school they are. But sneaky tough is a hard hard question. I'd say I think they're all tough. Nebraska is beautiful still. So that's always, I mean, they're going to pack the place. They have nothing to do but watch college basketball and college volleyball, you know, college football in the fall. Yeah, that arena is really nice. I did not know yeah, he lived with uh, Max Bielfeld. He, you know, going back again, I didn't mean to bring up any of my high school basketball mm-hmm. uh, stories, but he gave me, I think, 37 or 38, my first ever game 
playing varsity. So uh, Peoria Notre nice. Dame. Yeah, nice. Cooked that's yeah. pretty good. It happens that way sometimes. Especially with D one guys. All right, <laughs> wrapping up. Um, you obviously uh, have seen, I'm sure, the Chris Collins on all fours meme. Yeah. Uh, what I don't even remember what the story was of that. Do you know? And do you know if he's seen it? I'm sure he's seen it. I, if you ask him, I'm sure he's going to say no. Um, I don't know where it came from. It had to be a game my year. Cause he's not going to be doing that. Uh, he, he'll be doing it for a good reason. That's what my point is. I think he was probably, we I'll start with this. We had one of the best bench vibes around one of the best bench energies i'd say in the big 10 and to his credit to our assistant coach's credit to our team's credit and to our fans credit it got loud enough where you could be doing the craziest stuff on the bench and nobody would have known and i think somebody caught that and was like this is weird and took a photo of it and i mean we didn't see it as Crazy. We, I mean, anytime on defense, we'd slap the floor, like on the bench, we'd be stomping, stomping, stomping on the floor, slapping the floor. And I think it was kind of cool where if you're on defense, you could feel it. Like you, you could feel, you know, how loud it was getting on, on the defensive end or people slapping the floor on the, on, in front of our bench and stuff. And so just about every time down the floor on defense, the ref would have to be like, hey, you guys got to get off the floor. You guys got to sit down. Because we were just annoying the crap out of crap out of people, so I I don't know where it came from, but I think that was his his doing or like his try to get everybody fired up, and I think it's pretty I think it's pretty funny now, but it meant something back then. Yeah, tight quarters are while trying too, like you you mentioned. Uh, everything's oh, kind of yeah. on top of you there. All right, oh, yeah, gonna gonna send you out in uh, some high praises here. How does one go 47% from three lead the big 10? Is that one of those things where it's like everyone that's going up feels like it's going in? Cause I mean, hitting 50% pretty much from, from three is, is ridiculous. I'd say the guys I was up there with, I, I didn't get as many shots as they did, but the ones I took, I made sure, I mean, my, between my junior and senior year, I was on the gun probably every day. And I found, and coach Collins kind of gave me a, a, a quest for say, or a, you know, an agenda. And it was find the, the four or five shots that you're going to get within the, within the play and just drill them. You just have to drill them every day. So I would do, you know, do one way and then do the other way and then do backwards and forwards and pick and pop, you know? So I'm making 253s, you know, every couple of days, just drilling them after practice. And, um, I think I give a lot of credit to our coaching staff for that, but the, I, I mean, I, I tried to put in the work and it really paid off. So. All right. Well, if I run into you on any of these pickup courts around the city, here, I'm going to need you on, on the squad. So. I'm, play, I'm, I'm stepping in for somebody on Monday. So we'll see how it goes. That's the best part about being a former D1 athlete. I feel like it's just the ability to kind of dust things off and, and give somebody buckets at any given moment. Yeah, no, no, no injury. So let's, uh, let's pray for that. That's all. That's all I care about. All right, Nate, getting you out of here. Uh, really appreciate you reflecting, taking some time. Yeah. And uh, really enjoyed it. You know, it doesn't like you said at the top, doesn't seem like that long ago at all. But you blink and it's like 
five years later. So appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's flying by, sadly enough. So, well, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. For sure. All right, thanks once again to Nate for joining me. Fun to reflect on those days with him. Does not seem that long ago, like you mentioned, uh, that this all went down. But you uh, look up and a few years have gone by and um, memories are still fresh though. And, and that was a fun team fun group of guys to root for and glad to hear that they're all still you know pretty tight got the group chats going and um you know now that <laughs> even the the arena is different in northwestern and well shrines all sparkly and clean um that uh that run is still fresh in a lot of fans minds and hope to see northwestern back in the NCAA tournament sooner rather than later all right um we'll kick it over now to harold shelton like I ran through at the top of the show, he is our manager of research at the network, but also is a great analyst uh, on this show for Big Ten football and basketball. We'll break down the Big Ten basketball race and what's going on in the this week and the coming week and a half or so with the Big Ten contenders. And we'll talk the entire league and talk about uh, you know some sneaky teams in the bottom half and obviously the heavy hitters at the top, especially with a lot of them playing each other in the coming days. So get right to it it's take 10 podcast discussion with harold shelton all right very pleased to be rejoined by harold shelton h just earlier this week we were chatting compact window between episodes but plenty to talk about with big 10 basketball in full swing how are you doing on friday now compared to i think it was monday we talked last yeah i'm doing all right you know we're uh getting ready for a little wrestling uh in our department and uh you know, we obviously a lot of big games in between the time we talked, uh, a little bit more clarity, a little, you know, got a new leader at the top of the standings. And so even though it's been a few days, like a lot still went on. Yeah, I know you got a team staff and I know they're into the wrestling weeds, um, but with the big emphasis on it tonight, I know it'll be in the rearview mirror once this comes out, but one versus two on our network and Big Ten's always home to number one, number two teams in the country, it seems like. Um, how much have you had to dip your toe into to those waters? Uh, I've dipped a little bit. Uh, I'd say uh, my team more so than me. Uh, Ryan Kelly, Steve Shucker have done a great job of, of keeping everybody up to speed on the wrestling and, you know, getting you guys digital graphics. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a process. But like you said, we're, we're getting it ready. Huge, huge uh, meet. So it should be a lot of fun. You know who my guy is this year. Um, I mean, I worked with him in the past, but Shane Sparks. I've, I've been oh, yeah. wrangling him all year, and so I, you know, I'm I'm in the wrestling business now. Um, still don't know a fraction of anything that you know he's saying half the time, but uh, pick up on a few things, and and uh, it's fun to feed off his energy. Yeah, he's definitely an energetic guy, and, and it's cool to see he was doing some some basketball sideline reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a, a week or two ago. So good to see him getting involved more and more. That energy, it, it certainly spreads. Well, I found out, I had him on this show a couple of years ago and I found out like Sparks isn't even his real name. Um, really? So he's got like, just like a average Joe last name. I can't remember what it is, but it's a great TV name. Good for, I, think, oh, sure. I think he told me that his, some like radio director at like one of his first jobs just like assigned him Sparks and that was it, it stuck. It was literally like off Spider-Man when you have the, the news director who just, you know, yells at Peter Parker and basically bosses him around. Oh, wow. Who knew? <laughs> Shout but, out to him, though. I mean, clearly the name works. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Shane is a uh, 
you know, did the basketball game last week, but he's like just talking to him. He knows all sports. Like, I think he's a big Atlanta Braves fan. So he was really locked into the world series and he'll just like talk about the past weekend's NFL games for like 20 minutes. If you, if he get him going on it. So. That's awesome. I think it's important to be well-versed so you can uh, just kind of slide in anywhere and be a utility guy. And, uh, you know, I, I hope we see more of them because, you know, he's a, he's a high energy guy. And, you know, I think those guys are a lot of fun to listen to. If there were still water cooler discussions at the office with all of us around, that'd be somebody, you know, you can run into. Well, he'd be holding court for sure. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get into this episode. Had Nate Taphorn on this morning. Former Northwestern guy, obviously was on the best team in Northwestern history. We talked about it plenty with him. So I'm sure your memories will align with some of what we talked about. But uh, when I say Nate Taphorn, what jumps to mind? Shooter. Uh, definite shooter and, and consistent. Um, like I, I remember he was a guy, he'd come in, he, you know, he'd hit a couple threes a game. I'd say like his senior year, he was pretty much automatic from deep, shot like 47%. And like you said, he was on the, the best team in, in Northwestern history. Uh, so it was cool to see him, you know, getting some run against the Gonzaga and Vanderbilt, hit a couple big threes in that Gonzaga game. And so, um, you know, shout out to Nate Taphorn. Shout out to that that Wildcats team from First Dance. Um, I thought they were going to pull off another upset uh, earlier this week, too, but uh, just couldn't quite keep that going. But we'll, we'll get in that in a bit. Yeah, up seven on Michigan. But – um, back talking about Nate's teams, he kind of drove the point home. I, I assumed it, but it seemed like those guys, you know, took it personal and, and really wanted to make a statement because I think they were getting sick of being pushed around the first few years. And, and you kind of knew that team was knocking on the door. Right. But when they were finally able to, you know, make the tournament and slay some of those dragons, right. Like beating Michigan, uh, and the home finale, or no, it wasn't the home finale. It was the second to last home game and beating Wisconsin. We talked about, uh, I, you just tell that talking to him, that they took a lot of pride in, in, you know, kind of rising up and, and being the, uh, the hunter instead of the hunted. Yeah. And not only that, like, obviously we, we, we remember the Michigan game with the Derek Parton layup and all of that, but that team also went to the semis of the big 10 tournament. Like they pretty much controlled the game against Maryland in the quarterfinals in DC, pretty much took that whole crowd out of the game, uh, played really well. And, you know, that was the first time we had seen the Cats get that far. And so, you know, that kind of solidified their place. And then it, it was cool to see them kind of take it from there and, you know, win a game in the tournament and really give the number one seed all they could handle. Yeah, Gonzaga went to the title game that year, and there was a bad call, right, in that game. Was it the goaltend? Mm -hmm. I just remember there being a bad call, and um, North Northwestern fans were rightfully upset. Yeah, I know, because uh, they were down pretty big, and they had, like, a furious comeback. If they had another minute or two, they might have been able to get over the top. But, yeah, wound up losing it close late, you know, lost by six. Um, I want to say it was a one-possession game with a minute left or so. And, uh, you know, obviously he had a couple threes in that game. Uh, Brian McIntosh, big law, played really well. Uh, and it was a shame to, to to see that story in. I saw Vic Law. I think he was in <clears throat> Lakers Summer League this past year. So, you know, there were pros on that team. Uh, some guys still playing, too. So, you know, not a surprise that they were able to put a team together. And talk. we'll talk about uh, current Northwestern a little bit because they are intriguing, and it plays into some Michigan points I wanted to get to. But uh, our last episode we recorded on Monday, so we didn't – 
have anything beyond just surface level Michigan State Illinois talk, but let's reflect on it. Um, you know, we were tweeting back and forth, and you would share a stat that I found sort of surprising, but looking back on, on what they've done the last few years, um, you kind of realize the body of work that Illinois has put together. The stat was, I believe, they are seven and one in their last eight games against top 10 teams, seven and two over the last two years in total. Um, and that includes your Spartans, the latest victim on, on Tuesday night. Crazy game. Um, but I, I don't know if you have any immediate takeaways from that. And then maybe the larger body of work that we talked about with Illinois, you know, really having some eyebrow raising success against top 10 teams. Um, yeah, in terms of the game itself, I, I'll, I'll look at it from, from both sides. Uh, for Illinois, I thought it was very important to get the game like that when you're losing two of your arguably three or four best players uh, with Kofi out and Corbello out. Trent Frazier did what he had to do. Like, he was a guy who's been in games like this. He's a senior. He, you know, he, he rose to the moment. He led them. Um, and I know he went cold later in the game, but they built a big enough lead where all the stuff he did early to get him that lead was enough to hold on. I thought Plummer played really well and shot the ball well. I thought Omar Payne was a big key inside. Um, it wasn't until Michigan State went small that they got back in that game, but I thought they did really, really well in, in pick and roll. You know, they picked Michigan State apart uh, doing that. And I think on the Michigan State side, it was a chance for you to stay in front, to put a, a road win at, uh, at Champaign on top of a road win in Madison and kind of have those two games in hand and still be up uh, at the top of the standings by themselves. And it was a missed opportunity. I mean, if they would have, you know, played harder earlier, I thought they could have, you know, potentially won that game. It definitely looked like Illinois was, was holding off a dear life there at the end. And Michigan State was doing just enough to, like, climb back in it. But I give Illinois a lot of credit defensively. They pretty much took all of the guards out of, out of the game. I think Michigan State finished five for 30 uh, from the floor from their guards. It was mostly Marcus Bingham, Malik Hall, Joey Hauser that led the way. So uh, Illinois' guards completely won that game. Yeah, Michigan State did not play well, I don't think. Um except for the last five minutes when they kind of figured it out and made that run. And for Illinois, I think it makes up for just kind of a head scratching game against Maryland. You know, Kofi was out, but the, the effort wasn't there. I think they did play with a lot of effort Tuesday night and that's what got them off to a fast start and kind of fed off the crowd a little bit. And um, it, it just seems like with Illinois this season, it's one of those things where every game day I'm kind of opening Twitter and I'm like, all right, what now? Right. Like who's going to be out with COVID or there's been like a lot of, I don't know if it's flu or what, but other sicknesses that have kept guys out or limited them. There's been two obviously major concussion issues um, with Curbelo, you know, out for a really extended time and Kofi now out for the last two games. We'll see if he gets back Saturday against Northwestern. Um, but it's just one of those seasons where, more than any that I can remember, like things are just not falling into place. Right. So like on one hand, you look at them, you know, coming in as a top 10 ish team all uh, preseason and you look at maybe an underwhelming non-conference for them, but uh, look at them seven and two in the big 10, despite, you know, a couple of letdowns. I think you got to be happy with where they are. That, that win over Michigan state was important because they did not have a marquee win yet. And just especially with, like I said, all the, unexpected variables that have popped up this season. It's, I think, 
more impressive than not that they are sitting where they are right now. And, you know, if they can get a fully healthy lineup for more than one game, because really the only one was Cincinnati. And we learned now that Corbella wasn't right for that one. And, and the wheels fell off. And then Purdue where Kofi played, you know, 15, 20 minutes because of foul trouble. Uh, we'll see what they're like at full strength. And, and it feels like if it comes together, it can at least come together at the right time if all those issues are in the past. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like uh, Illinois and Purdue, when whole, are the two best teams, uh, definitely the most talented. Um, and we saw that when they played each other on MLK Day and, you know, had that crazy game and guys were just making plays all over the place. But to your point, I think Illinois had three games where they were fully whole. I believe they were whole against K-State as well uh, in that same tournament with Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, but like you said, you know, they've played 19 games and they've had their full lineup for three They've used nine different starting lineups in 19 games. And so it's hard to get that continuity, especially if you think like, okay, now Corbello's back, cool. Then he goes back out of the lineup. And, you know, it's, it's just really hard to, you know, find a rotation and, you know, find guys that are comfortable playing, each other, playing with each other when guys keep going in and out of the lineup. And the fact that they're still seven and two, you know, tied for first in the league, despite all of that, I think is very, very promising for them. Yeah, you got five, I think, clear front runners in the conference right now as far as, um, you know, in, the, in that race till maybe the end. We'll see if any of them drop out. But four teams with two losses and then maybe the best team in Purdue sitting there with three. And three of those teams in that race were in action on Thursday night. I thought just by nature how the, the season's gone that one of them would maybe lose. Uh, they're all on the road. The favorite teams are all on the road. But um, they all came away with wins and, and kind of held – serve at the top of the conference. Um, so, you know, my question to you is with Wisconsin being one of those teams and a team, I feel like we haven't talked that much about, like we talked about Johnny Davis, but as a whole, I don't think we've really talked about the Badgers enough because it was so unexpected how they've performed this year. I mean, we, we shouldn't be surprised that culture is set in, but just with kind of the turbulence that we saw the last couple of years, um, you know, two years ago, they won the big 10, but last year things seemed rocky, right. With all those veterans and, and the locker room drama and Greg guard is held together and then some, so shout out to him. And I just want to, you know, dedicate a little time to talk Badgers and, and get your opinion on if you think this team has staying power through the rest of the conference race. If you think Johnny Davis is going to keep up, you know, this player of the year clip, I, I, he struggled a little bit at Nebraska. Um, it's going to happen obviously, but just want to get your overall thoughts on, on the Badgers and, and uh, how you see the rest of the season kind of playing out with, with them, a really nice story in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that uh, the biggest thing for Johnny Davis is just making sure he has guys around him that can score to take the pressure off of him. Um, we saw in the Michigan State loss when Tyler Wall was out that Brad Davidson was really the only guy that could help him out. And Michigan State pretty much played, you know, four or five different guys on him and tried to, you know, make things hard for him, wear him down, and it certainly worked. Uh, Nebraska game, you know, he didn't play as well, but Brad Davidson stepped up with 21 and Chucky Hepburn and, and Crowell both had, you know, double digits. Tyler Wall did come back. He didn't shoot it well, but he was still a presence uh, with 10 rebounds. So I think they just have to find like third and fourth scores consistently uh, to stay in that race. And, you know, we'll see if, if it always helps to have a star like Johnny Davis to do what he did in West Lafayette, you know, like, they don't win that game without him going crazy in the second half. And so whenever you have a guy like that, I think you can certainly stay in a race. There doesn't seem to be an elite team in this league. And so I don't see why they can't stay around. 
Minnesota's pushing everybody. They pushed Ohio State to a degree Thursday night. They got Wisconsin this weekend. So, you know, Wisconsin is not – You don't, they don't want to look ahead because they got a big week coming up. Within seven days, I got Illinois and Michigan State. So our squads will be, you know, fighting for that, uh, that Big Ten lead and, and some huge games coming up. But if, if they can get past Minnesota, do you think a split is, is probably what they're looking for with those, those two games? They're at, yeah, I think I so. both at Illinois and at Michigan State. So, yeah. And, and I hear like former players talk about it all the time where it's say you want to just win your home games and then like split on the road as much as you can. Um, and so I think in, in that situation, if you can go ahead and, and split the, the Illinois and Michigan State games, like you would take that and run. Um, that's what Michigan State did. They were able to split Wisconsin and Illinois in the road. They had a chance to get both, but didn't do it. But at the same time, you'll take that split. It kind of makes up for the Northwestern loss. And I feel like every team that's in the discussion for winning it, you got to take care of home. You got to take care of the games against the teams that are, you know, middle or bottom of the league. You got to win those and then find a way to split the games, you know, away from home. Like you can't drop a game against a Nebraska or a Penn State um, or a, a Maryland right now, you know, since they're down at this point, like find a way to win those type of games. And, you know, that way you give yourself some wiggle room if you happen to lose, you know, a game to one of the contenders for the league. Before moving down uh, to the kind of next tier, I do want to mention Ohio State. And if they end up winning the conference, I might blame Andy Katz because uh, I think he I think he pissed EJ Liddell off this week. Did you see that list? Uh, he had a list of like player of the year contenders and there was six or seven dudes. And Liddell was not named even in the honorable mention. And so Liddell tweeted, quote tweeted and said, all right, bet or something like that. So uh, I don't think Andy, you know, Andy catches one once in a while with these yeah. takes because uh, he's brave enough to put takes and rankings and tears out in multitudes every week. So once in a while, a player is going to take notice and and maybe get some motivation. And Liddell uh, popped off on Thursday night. So maybe that's why yes, he did. Yeah, he, he was a monster against uh, Minnesota. Um I believe he was the third Big Ten player since 2010 to have 20 points, 15 rebounds, five assists in a conference game, uh, joining Ethan Happ and Caleb Swan again, pretty good names there. Um, and just the way Ohio State just beat up Minnesota on the glass. I mean, they were plus 26 uh, on the glass. And so I know that was tied for the, the second highest in any Big Ten game this year. The way that their front court plays with Liddell and Zed Key and Kyle Young, like they're going to be in every game because they're rugged. They defend. They're going to always hit the glass. So they just have to get production from the guards to help Liddell out. And if they do that, Liddell's going to put up his numbers. And that, you know, will certainly put him in the race and keep him there uh, for the rest of the year. Can you imagine if Liddell had stayed home and went to Illinois? Like, uh, oh, man. <laughs> it's a missing piece, right? Like the Illinois four spot is a big question mark. And he's yep. Liddell is like a, a pro high level four. Yeah. If he's starting over Grandison and I like Grandison a lot, but like if he's starting over Grandison and Grandison is more like a six, seven man, like Illinois is a top five team, top three team probably. And maybe even a favorite to win the whole thing. Well, I remember he's boys with one of the guys on the Illinois football team. I think Keith Randolph. So like he was at the spring game, he was at the Illinois spring game and some other things on oh, campus wow. and people were just like, Oh, you know, is he visiting? And, and I think Liddell's dad shot it down like in the spring or summer and, and squashed that real quick. But I just remember that drama kind of unfolding, especially with, uh, you know, transfer rules these days and anything, anything goes. Um, all right. So moving down kind of that next tier, 
Indiana is like, I think the clear next team so far uh, they handle Penn state. And I think that's like a game that, you know, in the Archie days might've been a slugfest, right? Like it's hard to take just one game, but when I just see, I didn't get to watch it, but when I see final scores like that, I'm like, I think the Archie era, Indiana was winning those games like 54 to 51. You know what I mean? No, that's fair. Um, and it's weird because Indiana Penn state seem to always play close games. Right. And so like we, I remember like crazy overtime games in Bloomington, crazy comebacks in that series. Uh, they just went up to state college earlier this year and lost and only scored 58 points. That was not the case <laughs> at all uh, on Wednesday night. I mean, Indiana jumped out. They were up near 30, you know, I think over 30 in the first half, you know, only one by 17, but they certainly took care of business. I'm going to push back on you in terms of uh, them clearly being in that next tier because I got to put Michigan in there. I, we saw Michigan go into Bloomington and completely dominate that game. They won by 18. They've, they've owned the Hoosiers. Um, you know, they've won by double digits there, like three of the last four times they played. And they're playing really, really well right now. Um, I know kind of going into the COVID shutdown, they were trying to find some things. The offense wasn't playing well. The defense wasn't playing well. But these last three games that they've won, to kind of get themselves back in tournament picture. You know, Caleb Houston's played well. Devontae Jones has kind of stabilized things at the point. Uh, the defense has been much better. They're shooting the three well. Like, they're getting contributions from, from Terrence Williams and Frankie Collins. Uh, Eli Brooks, obviously, being the vet that he is, has hit some big shots. So Michigan's playing really well right now. And I think they're the team. If there's we, – we talk about the big five right now as the contenders – they win that game in East Lansing on Saturday. You might have to open it up for a 16. Yep. I think they are, them in Indiana are solidly in that second tier. I don't think anyone's really with them. Maybe Iowa um, as well, but I think it goes Indiana, Michigan, despite Michigan handling business. I think Indiana's body of work, but that can easily, you know, two weeks from now flip with the way Michigan's playing, like you said. So despite this episode dropping after Michigan, Michigan State, you know, people will know the result. I want to get, you know, maybe a prediction from you here or at least a sense of how you're feeling so people can kind of, you know, gauge gauge if you were uh, on the nose with it. So are you nervous? How are you feeling? Who do you think uh, escapes with this one? It's at the Brez, right? So you guys you guys got the home court in the zone and everyone juiced up on a weekend. Yeah, it's at the Brez, so I certainly think that helps. It's, uh, I know it's a, it's a big weekend on campus. Um, and we'll see. It might be the only meeting. Uh, we'll see if that that Michigan game gets rescheduled in Ann Arbor. It still hasn't yet. Uh, we know Michigan Purdue has been rescheduled, so we'll see if the other one does. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan State in a close one. I think the problem with Michigan State right now is you don't know which team is going to show up. Um, I think the effort has been much better uh, since the Northwestern loss. You know, I thought they they played hard against Wisconsin and Illinois. They didn't necessarily play well or as smart against Illinois compared to the Wisconsin game. But I think the effort was there. Um, I think Michigan State wins a game like a, a 68-62, 68-63 type of game where it's nip and tuck most of the way. And uh, Michigan State does just enough in the end to win it. You think Michigan can pop Purdue one of these times? I got them twice in three games. Um, it's a tight window. And between that, Purdue and Illinois square off. So you got those teams all beating up on each other in three-game windows. Uh, you think Michigan gets one against Purdue, or is it too much for 
for a too tall task? Uh, it's possible. It Again, we've seen Purdue at their best, and then we've seen the Purdue that, you know, played at Rutgers and played at Indiana and didn't get it done. Dude, the NC uh, State game was brutal to watch. Like, so I was at that one, and I just kind of slid into a seat behind uh, – I, I talked to you about it this game before with uh, listening in on painter and it was just really entertaining, but like they were in the mud for about 38 minutes and just kind of snapped out of it. I think Sasha Stefanovic kind of snapped them out of it that game. But like, that was one of those games where I'm like, Oh, like they, they cannot afford this type of look during March or any sort of game with stakes. Cause like, and every team can have those games. Like it's, it's, it's not a big deal if it happens once in a while or if you, you know, you learn from it, but um, you just wonder like if that type of funk is permanently in the, Review mirror for them. Uh, I think you get Purdue away from Mackey, you get some uneven performances. Like as good as they look in Champagne, they didn't necessarily look so great in Piscataway, in State College, in Bloomington, and and I know they won the game at Penn State, but that came all the way down to the wire. Um, obviously, lost the game at, at Rutgers in Indiana. So I, I think they're if they play their best, which I'd say for about thirty minutes. Uh, in Iowa City, they did. Uh, but, you know, if that happens, then they should win both of those games. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if Michigan took the fight to them and Purdue, you know, found a way to lose that game. It, it wouldn't shock me at all. All right, before wrapping up, Adrian, what is the team at the bottom that we haven't talked about yet that the old cliche, right, like you don't want to play them right now or don't want to play them with anything on the line? Um, could be Maryland because I think they kind of woke up in the last week and a half or so, Maryland is also talented, right? Like, I feel like those seasons, especially with the interim coach, can skid and, and slide off the rails a little bit, but it seems like they've, you know, steadied that wobble a little bit. Um, Penn State has had some good wins. Got smoked at Indiana, like we talked about. Minnesota's the feel-good story and, and got a great coach, it looks like. Northwestern's been pesky. Probably should have beat Michigan the other day, beat Michigan State. Uh, and then I don't think Nebraska is going to lose every game. <laughs> I think they'll, they'll get a couple. They got talent on that team. Um, they, they've pushed some teams, but it, they've not been able to, to put together a full performance yet. So which team you got that is, uh, you know, maybe the most worrisome if you're a team going in on a Tuesday and, 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 uh, are in the big 10 title race and might get, get popped by one of these, uh, bottom half teams. Uh, I would go with Maryland out of that group. Uh, just the way they've been playing recently. Um, I think once they, they lost to Michigan, it looked really bad. Like, we're never in that game, lost by about 20. It fell to one and six, and you're like, man, is this thing going to go completely off the rails? And then, you know, they, they battle against Illinois, you know, kind of run away from them at the end and win that game. And then they go to the rack and win pretty convincingly at a place where a lot of teams are going to lose. Like, we, we mentioned that Purdue lost up there. Iowa lost up there and it seemed like Rutgers was kind of finding something and Maryland went up there and controlled that game. I think when you have a backcourt like Eric Ayala and Fats Russell, like those are two talented guys. And when they both get going at the same time, they can make things really, really hard for people. And, you know, just the way that they can switch everything, um, you know, Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, like those guys are, are playing well. Julian Reese is playing well. And so I think Maryland of those teams that are, that were struggling early, they got a chance to, to knock some teams off at home if uh, people don't bring it. Is it a while that Danny Manning's a Big Ten head coach? It is. <laughs> I just kind of forget <laughs> it's that. Wild time, to me. But it's like, yeah, like Danny Manning. Seems like a nice guy, too. Like, I always, I always like hearing him talk, and 
Uh, that same day that Purdue escaped with NC State, Maryland beat Florida, and I think Danny Manning had, had a nice, like, emotional interview, and that was kind of when I became a fan. Yeah, I think that was his first win as a uh, as as head coach. Um, I think he took over like right after the Northwestern loss at home, and you're like, oh man, like you wonder how this is gonna work out. And then, like you said, they they go they come back and beat Florida, you know, a week later, and you kind of see that the guys have bought in, and you can really see that they bought in now. Like again, when you lose the way they lost um, at Michigan, and the game before that. Like you lose at home to Rutgers and kind of give it away in the second half. You're, you're wondering if it's going to go off the rails, but he's got those guys playing well. They've responded these last two games. You know, they get Indiana at home this weekend. You know, they got a chance to maybe get a streak going. Uh, they get Michigan State at home after that, too. Depending on what Michigan State team shows up, that could be a problem. I know the Spartans lost to them twice a year ago. So it'll be, it'll be curious to see uh, what the Terps look like and see if they could put some things together to try to get back in the tournament picture. All right, big weekend of, of basketball. Uh, they're all big from here on out. Another CBS game. I think it's the Ohio State Purdue game. That'll be that'll be fun. It, I should know this, but like, is there? Do we get a CBS game every weekend? Like once, kind of end of January, or is it just most weekends? I know we got to deal with them, but I I don't I, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I think now that we're we're pretty much into the the thick of hoops and kind of out of football, you're gonna see a lot more Big Ten Saturday Sunday type of games. Um, and it's usually going to be the, the usual suspects, the Michigan, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State, Ohio I'm State. Stop there. Illinois hasn't had one for many years until this year. I, I, I circled that in the calendar. Um, I can't remember which one it is. It might be Michigan um, at the end of February. But regardless, they have one. And I know uh, when the schedule came out, people were excited on Illinois Twitter. Right. I just mean in terms of like they usually try to get the contenders because they yeah. don't have as many games. Um, as like Fox or ESPN or BTN. So um, it'll usually be like games against, you know, the top seven, yep. you know, playing against each other. And obviously the, the Illini being one of the favorites, they're going to be on there for sure. Yep. You go right after in their little minimum. So love it. Love it. All right, H, good stuff. Um, talk again soon, I'm sure. Thanks for uh, cramming a couple into a week span here. And yeah, we will talk soon enough i'm sure sounds good looking forward to it all right thanks to harold and nate once again for joining the show had a lot of fun talking to both of them a rare weekend episode here on the pod um had to get this in before the end of the month and and wanted to continue to keep up the momentum with a lot of games going on and a lot of things a lot of things to talk about <clears throat> when it comes to big 10 basketball so thank you to everyone for listening quick reminder if you've not done so already, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and then we're also on YouTube, so you can see these interviews in their entirety and subscribe to the Big Ten Network YouTube channel. We have a playlist on that YouTube channel called, you guessed it, Take Ten Podcasts. So find us there. And um, big shout out to the person who puts the podcast there, Julie Bronder, stitches the show together and gets it where it needs to be so thanks to her and thanks to everyone once again for listening a lot of fun coming up my favorite time of year is coming up march madness one more month to go and we'll talk about it uh cbs says the road to the final four don't sue me cbs just uh just borrowing the term so we'll talk about the road to the final four road to indy for the big 10 tournament 
And uh, we'll be back soon with another Take 10 podcast. Stay tuned.